We are Michael and Brianna Porter, and this is the Intimacy is a Verb podcast, where we talk about healing, growing, and thriving in marriage. What's up, guys? We want to welcome you to the Intimacy is a Verb podcast. To connect with us, you can visit our website at intimacyisaverb.com or also our Instagram at intimacyisaverb. If you get a chance, it would also be awesome if you could give us a five-star rating or comment on whatever um, platform you guys use to listen to our podcast. We really enjoy this ministry that the Lord has provided, and we love bringing content that's relatable, challenging, and encouraging. One of our favorite things is bringing on couples to share their story and the beautiful restoration that only God can do. This episode, we get to bring you part two of a two-part series that we got to do with Clinton and Charity from the Restored to More podcast. In part two, we get to talk about really the unfolding of sexual sin and then also some things that were helpful and not helpful for them in the recovery process. Clinton and Charity are from Southern California and they have three little boys. Just like us, they believe the Lord has called them to shed light on their story and to bring hope to others through it. Charity had all these, you know, experiences growing up, different sexual experiences, different things happened. Uh, Clinton, you, you know, other experiences where you saw porn at a young age um, and you had this view of sexuality and, and what marriage might look like and stuff. And you guys get married. What, what age did you guys get married? 22. 22. Hey, I was, that was a good example I used earlier. Um, you guys get married 22 and everything just works out great, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. We got on the horse. Everything. We oh, nailed yeah. the sunset time. It was like sunset was seven o'clock. We hit at 650. <laughs> this was going down perfectly. Taking out. Credits were rolling. Yeah. Happily ever after. I've had sex happily every day. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit what, you know, you get married, what happens? Keep it appropriate, Charity. <laughs> you don't have to tell us about your wedding night. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I think it doesn't start with the wedding night because it's, it starts before then, way before then. And that was that it was grounded in lies and deceit and unknowing how bad addiction was and these different things were going on. And it just felt like we got married and there was all this expectation. I mean, again, that's what, that's what we do. Even I think in the Christian world, Mm -hmm. we tell you that you're, when you get married, sex is going to be incredible. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of physical parts of that that may not be true, especially if you haven't been physically active. You know what I'm just saying? Like there's, and then you don't, if you really haven't had a lot of experience with sex, you really don't know what is going on. You, tell if you you know you get naked and you're like, this is going to be awesome, right? And there's all this expectation. It's like through the roof. And I just think I, I, the problem with that is what are we basing the expectation off of? Yeah. Talks with our parents. Oh, because our parents all talk about that, yeah. right? It's like, what are we basing it off of? I know what it is. It's media. Mm-hmm. We're basing it off of the media, off of that moment where, you know, it's like this perfect setting. It's the perfect this. And they just, they never 
they never have any issues with anything in the movies. Yep. Right. It's all perfect. It's all smooth. It's all awesome. And then sex is over and they just want to cuddle and hang out. And they go, Oh my gosh, I can do that all night. And it was like, we never had any of that, you know? And so I think the reality is, is that that is not what happens. So then, yeah. So our story was that when we got married, um, we didn't, we, we know Chair and I had not had sex with each other before we got married, which is a big thing for us that we saved. We had had sex previously in other relationships and other things, but, um, but it saved that with each other. And so I think when we got married, all the expectation just, it just kind of exploded. Like charity said, like she came into it and sex was a task. Like it's what you do to, to take care of him. And I had all these expectations. I thought sex would cure, uh, pornography addiction and masturbation addiction. And unfortunately, the, the component was that I had an intimacy disorder. Mm-hmm. I don't know if every guy has that. I think it plays a part in a lot of guys' stories. And we hadn't lived together. We didn't have sex together. And so all these new intimate moments were actually more triggering for the addiction than helpful for the addiction. Yeah. And I think that's what guys don't understand is if they have an intimacy disorder, when they are intimate with a person, they are probably going to leave sex, even if there was an orgasm, even if, you know, whatever, it was, it was a good moment, they could leave that section, that, that doing that triggered. And that's what happened to me is that I left triggered and I was acting out in worse ways than I ever had before, even though we were sexually active in our marriage and it was like, wow, this is crazy. And even just things like living together and doing dishes together and cooking together. That's a funny story. Um, but we didn't know how to be intimate with another person. Charity didn't know how to do it with me. I didn't know how to do it with her. And so I had two people trying to function at home and it just was not working. Yeah. You want me to share deets? Yep. Um, yeah. So I knew that he had, you know, just, I feel like everybody else, like, the, the boyfriend struggles with porn, you know, but didn't know the depths of it. And, um, I don't think honestly you knew either. <laughs> I don't think he knew the depths of, um, what porn was doing to him and how he was addicted. Uh, I don't think we, at the time we, he would have ever admitted that. Um, but it was an addiction. And, um, and so when we were married, uh, we thought it was going to get better and I uh, thought it was going to fix everything. And slowly started, you know, finding, you know, things out, um, on, you know, just internet or phone stuff. And, and he would always say like, I'm done, I'm done. I'm not going to do it. I promise. Like that was the last time. And, um, and just kind of like compounded, honestly. I mean, it was like one, you know, it was like once every month or something. And I just remember being like, so like, dude, like you've said this 20 times, like what's going to, you know, be a difference now. And it kind of all hit the fan, um, two years into our marriage. Um, I will never forget. I, I was, I was getting ready for work. He was still in bed and I was waking up early that day because I had to go training in Riverside. And I remember um, his phone went off and I saw a notification uh, for Twitter. And I was like, what the heck? Like he didn't have Twitter. And, um, and cause he didn't have like, he didn't know about any of the social media stuff. He didn't have Instagram, like any of that stuff. And I opened it up and there's just like flooded with porn and it had his name. And I was like, what? Like this is, cannot be my husband. Like this is, I was just shook at that point. And then obviously I started going on his phone, looking at everything, like what other things, you know, were on there. And I remember just running into his room, grabbing a pillow, hitting him in the face and saying like, 
what is this? Like, what's going on? Who, who is this? Like, is this your account? Like, I didn't even know you could do this kind of stuff, nor did you like, why, like, why are you doing this? And, um, I had to go to work. And so I remember just like shaking on my way to work and, um, and I remember just, I like became an investigator mode and I went on my email cause I knew he was, um, doing a, a program. I think it was called covenant eyes at the time. And there was an accountability program. And so he would email them details of, um, things that he had done in his past. And I was like, well, I bet there's more. And so I started going on cause we had a connected email. And so I remember going on to e- the email account and started reading all this stuff. And I knew like probably wasn't what I was supposed to do. But at the same time, I was like, I want to know the truth of what's going on. Cause I feel like there's so much lies and um, so much sin that I didn't know. And I needed to know. And I found out all of this stuff um, with strip clubs and massage parlors. And I just like broke. I was like, I thought I was going to throw up um, while I was training somebody. It was the worst. And I'll never forget um, coming home and I like kept it a seat, like kept it inside. And then we were, we had a business meeting. And so we had to go back out to Redlands and on our way home, I was like, it's like driving down the freeway. It's like an hour and a half from where we're at. So we're on this long drive. Perfect time. And for I'm a like, conversation. and I feel sick to my stomach. I'm like, okay, I can't bring it up before business meeting because we need to be on our A game. And so I like muster up the courage. We do the meeting. And then on our drive home, I'm like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like shaking. I, I felt like I was going to like just explode. And I was like, I went on this count. Is this true? Is this true? Is this true? And I'm like bawling. And he's like, yes, that's true. And I mean, just face to face with like the truth. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you lie about that? I'm a, I was a professional liar. I, I mean, I don't think anybody could have lied better than me. I was so good at it. I, you know, that's what I would do. I would do all this stuff and I would lie about everything and lie about appointments and where I was at. And I would show things. I mean, I was like the, I, I I was felt like I could have been a professional con man, the things I did. And she's like, did you type this email? Is this your, I mean, it came from your email. This is you, you wrote this. Is this the truth? I mean, you know what I mean? There's like no getting out of that, right? So I pulled off. Um, we were still in like, we were like 10 minutes into our drive into Redlands. And so I pulled off the first exit, dropped him off. And I was like, you're getting your own ride home. And because um, I just didn't even want to be okay, near we need, him. Okay, we need context. Business meetings went late. <laughs> it was 1130 at night in the random shopping center with a mall that's closed down. A mall, a mall closed. And I'm in a parking lot. In the middle of nowhere. Just so you know, out there, it's kind of like the boondocks. Yeah. Like, there is not, it's not a city. It's like no. she just found a random strip mall that was closed and dropped me off at 1130 at night. And he's like, the Uber is going to be so expensive. I was like, I don't freaking care. Like, I don't want to be around you. And uh, I think like 15 minutes had gone by and I was like, I need to go pick him up. It's going to be way <laughs> too much money. And uh, I remember calling him. I was like, have you called your Uber yet? He's like, yeah, they're on their way. And I was like, okay, just cancel it. Like, I'll come pick you up. And I picked him up and um, we kind of just went into like, hey, we, we need a I told him, I was like, this was the first time in our marriage. I was like, I want a divorce. I don't want to be with you. I want out. And um and so we started talking to some people and um, getting some counseling. And the the advice just was... Um, yeah, I, I, we just told him everything going on. And he told Charity, he said, well, you know, Clint, you should read your Bible more. And you definitely should memorize some scripture, you know, because when you get tempted, you got to have your scripture memorized. And Charity, he's acting out because he's, you know sexually you're not meeting all of his needs right so you should wear him out more and so 
so she started get exciting, try new things. Um, you know, like she drive to work and we do stuff on a lunch break, and it just was like I started becoming a different person. You could just feel it was it was not. We were trying because the, I mean, it, what's crazy is that we didn't know what to do, and this was a pastor uh, that was also a counselor, and we were like, "This is okay. This should work." And, and these are the first people that we had opened up about any of this stuff before. So like we had really trusted them and um, we really like were vulnerable. And the advice that we both had received just wasn't, again, I we know these well people, meaning. we know that their intentions were good. Yes. Um, their hearts were in the right place. Just the advice, um, they're uneducated on how to come alongside us. And I wish that that was just said mm-hmm. like, hey, we don't know how to come alongside you guys need professional help. And that just wasn't. So they gave us this advice. Anybody that knows an intimacy disorder knows that if you do any of that stuff, it's just going to make it worse. And so I was left so confused because here I am becoming this different person and making it exciting and all this stuff, thinking that I can fix the problem. Now his issue is my, my problem and it's not working. And I'm finding out that he's doing it right after. I'm like, what? And I, I lost it. I was like, what the frick? Mm-hmm. Like, how is that even possible? You know, I'm like, I just, I did not even understand. So we were just two lost children um, because the advice also was, Hey, just stop doing it. You know, like Clinton, just don't do it. You're a man, like man up and just get more blocks and just like, don't do it. It's as easy as that, you know? And if it's killing your wife and your wife wants to leave, just stop doing it. And so it was like, that was the advice that we had gotten. So we applied it and it wasn't working. So then we just continued in more shame and that only led to more addiction, more acting out and more isolation, more pain internalizing for me. That just led to more shame for both of us because now we're like, dang, something's really wrong with us. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. this isn't working. Like, what's going on? And and I'm just feeling like a more, even a worse, horrible husband and stuff. And I'm still acting out. I mean, yeah, that's like saying, okay, you're having a problem smoking cigarettes. You should just smoke some more. You know, if you smoke, like, it's like having sex doesn't solve sexual addiction. Okay, that doesn't even make sense on the basic <laughs> fundamental level. But that's what we were taught. And I just think in our ignorance and their ignorance, it just left mm-hmm. us more hurt mm-hmm. and yeah. more lost. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Sidebar oh, yeah. On, on with that. I think I wish that like everybody in ministry, especially like if you're going to have people coming to you, I wish that there was a way to like educate them <laughs> on how to handle and deal with people that are going through stuff like this. What So maybe it's not that they're the most equipped, but like being able to refer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm just thinking about the people who are listening to the, to our podcast right now. You know, if you don't feel equipped, find somebody or a counselor or people who are to help. And then you can walk alongside them as they're getting counseled. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't all have to have the answers. Like maybe this is an area where we feel you know, like more knowledge and experience, but like, there's a lot of areas where we don't, and we shouldn't just think we have all the answers. Um, so anyways, that's a little sidebar, but yeah. Oh yeah. Sidebar on my sidebar. I think too, also for those that are listening to this, realizing that it's a really hard place to be a person in ministry. Because you almost have to have the answers. Mm. You're expected to have the answers. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I feel, I seriously feel compassion mm-hmm. for pastors and for counselors sure. because it's so hard to say, I don't know, you know, and they are expected to know. 
because this person is opening up their deepest, darkest secrets. And I think it's important that as people that are going to pastors to realize that most pastors have to have an answer. So don't get mad at them that they're giving you an answer. Just make sure that they have some kind of a background that, you know, it's like us, right? We would never go to, uh, I'm trying to think, I, 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 somebody who doesn't surf, I would never go ask their me. opinion <laughs> about how to surf. I probably wouldn't. Yo, Michael, how do I how do I pop up on the board and how should the feet placement be? And how do I look down the line and what does that look like? And, you know, and, and if you, if you market yourself as an all water expert sports person, you would probably feel you have to have an answer for me because you, it's your marketing. And I think pastors feel that way. And then I come to people like that and I ask for an opinion. And then I think, well, that's gotta be right. Cause they're a pastor. And I think that what we should also tell people is yes to the pastors please don't pretend yes. to know what you're talking about. And to the people that are going to pastors realize that pastors mm-hmm. don't know everything about everything. Yeah. They are, are normally very good at, at some things and that is awesome. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that those answers are legit. It's better to seek out somebody who has a track record a of expertise in this area that says, here's how this was a part of my life also. And here's what work I did and what God did to re- revoke this from my life. So there's not a stronghold there. I think we need to make sure that they have the proper credentials yep. before we just do what they're telling us to do because that mm-hmm. hurt our marriage. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a it's a false idea that um, looking at pornography or sexually acting out is just about being horny. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, that's not even what it's about. And I think that yeah. nope. maybe even like an older generation, which a lot of pastors would be, um, you know, the social media, internet, all this real, like real addiction that I think is a absolute, the real pandemic in, you know, that's going on in our world. Like maybe they, they're not, they didn't get trapped in it. So it's kind of like me going Mm -hmm. to somebody to ask about how to deal with, you know, maybe like angry outbursts toward my children and, you know, either they haven't mastered, like they haven't gotten over that sin. It's not that maybe they don't have some wisdom to give me, but usually it helps going to somebody that has overcome a sin struggle. So if just reading your Bible and memorizing verses, which obviously is a piece of intimacy with the Lord, but if that Mm -hmm. and just having more sex or spicing it up isn't the answer you know, well, first of all, let me, let me ask you, why is just more sex not the answer? Why, how does that feed into, you know, like you mentioned earlier, just that whole sexual addiction or, or why, like, yeah, just talk to me about why that's not the answer. Well, I I think I, I heard a person say one time, and I don't know exactly who said it first, but the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And I think that is so important to realize that if we are medicating with any kind of thing rather than mm-hmm. dealing with emotions, it's probably not the external thing that has to change. It's the internal approach to what, why we are feeling the need to medicate something. So not only does sex not work with 
unwanted emotion, but nothing works with unwanted emotion. It's actually understanding how to cope with that emotion in a healthy way. Yeah. Can I add one thing? Yeah. Sex, in my opinion, is supposed to be a byproduct of an overflow of expressing how much you love that person, not to medicate feelings and emotions using something like pornography. You used it as an object to hopefully medicate deep wounds and feelings. And, and if we're expecting sex to do that same thing, it's not going to do that. And you're still going to feel that same emptiness. Hence why then you look at porn, because again, it's, it's never good enough, right? You're doing it for the wrong intentions. The intentions of sex is not to medicate something. Uh, sex was you, it's used, um, as a byproduct of an expressing how much you love that person. And it's both of you going into the marriage bed, so grateful, so overflowing with uh, intimacy that your intimacy cups are overflowing spiritually, emotionally, physically, and so many other areas. And sex is a byproduct of that because you're expressing to one another how much you love each other, not using that person to medicate the feelings of having a hard day or because my life is out of control right now. I'm hoping that when we have sex right now, it's going to give me this release and then I'm going to feel so much better afterwards. Well, you're going to feel the same exact way, buddy, afterwards because it's not actually dealing with the strong roots that are going on. I think, yeah, you guys are making a great point about this because if it's, if it did cure where you could just have more sex in marriage or if marriage, you know, did cure this whole issue, for a male or a female, then after sex, like I think you mentioned a little bit ago, Clinton, and things that I've experienced in marriage too, is after sex, then you would be fully satisfied and every time, and there would be no like need for just this other, you know, for another woman's attention or porn or whatever it is, you know, but that's not the, that's not usually the case. You know, a lot of times what I've even after talking to other men before too, is like after sex, sometimes there's this still this feeling of being left empty where you are desiring affirmation, you know, or desiring something that's not being fulfilled. So then you still have this lure of, of wanting to give into temptation even moments after, or, you know, the, the next day after having great sex with your wife. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just saying yep. it doesn't just cure it because you have, you know, because sex really isn't the issue. It's the symptom of the problem. Yeah. It's a relational intimacy yep. disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Again, I think most of us, I think most people, what they would, what they would say is they, they're having an emotion mm-hmm. that's unwanted they need to talk about that and they need to identify it and they need to understand where's that come from or they, and I think what happens is when that emotion goes undealt with, then we try to cope with the emotion versus understand the emotion and, and, uh, and sit in that emotion. Some emotions are just meant to be saddened. They're meant to be felt for sad. We're meant to feel sad. It's okay to cry for angry. It's okay to feel anger, you know, and allow us to feel anger in a healthy way and to tell somebody I'm, angry right now and I'm sad and I am frustrated or I feel just irritated or I'm just, and I'm feeling really down about this. And I think that what we do is regardless of it being sexual addiction, 
we have an emotion that is undesired. We don't believe that anybody would actually care enough to have us process that emotion. Maybe we have no idea how to process that emotion. We don't even know how to talk about what we're feeling. We've never done that before, right? Whatever it is. And all we do now is, okay, well, if I don't want to feel this emotion, the other way that I can get rid of this emotion is I can feel something different. And instead of allowing myself to sit in this emotion and healthily process it, I can actually do this other thing, whether that's having sex, masturbation, looking at pornography, eating a lot of sugar, eating something bad, right? Watching Netflix, binge watching that, watching a video, watching a movie, playing a video game. I mean, smoking a pack of cigarettes, smoking marijuana, you name it. Those are all things that we as a society are doing to just put a bandaid yep. on the emotion. Yep. We, we need to learn how to healthily process these things that are undesirable in life. And we all, almost every day, I think, in my opinion, are going to have something that we do that we don't like it or something that happens to us we have no control over that we don't like. So every day we're going to have a moment or more than that of undesirable mm-hmm. things. The question, what are we going to do when we right. have that happen? So why don't you guys tell me, tell us some things that have worked um, in this recovery process. What are some things that have worked um, and in the restoration and what are some things which I think you kind of already talked about what hasn't worked, but give us some, some insight into some things that have worked. Sure. Um, what has worked? I think I, I can brag about you first. Can I go first? Okay, sure. I'm going first. Thank you. Um, (laughs) you know, one of the things that I just got to brag about charity for a minute and I know she always gets a little like, red in the cheeks when I do this. And I just think it's important because what happened was, yes, there was a rock bottom moment. And I think you talked about this earlier, Brandon, that is that there, there's a level of denial. You were saying repentance. And I think that's really important. And, and I don't, I, I wish that most guys would have this happen before that was a rock bottom and their whole life is turning upside down. But I just think there's a level of denial in a lot of us guys where we don't want to admit things are really bad and almost our external circumstances have to be threatened for us to really change. And when Charity said, I'm taking the kids, I'm leaving you because you're not changing. I was like, oh my gosh, that I have to change. Otherwise my, I'm going to lose everything. And so that, that allowed me to kind of take a step back and go, well, let's think about this, right? And I think what worked was her saying, I'm not, I, I don't need to endure this. I think that's a big deal of a woman saying, Hey, I, I don't deserve this. I deserve better than this. And, uh, and I am willing to work on you, but if you're not working on yourself and you're just going to continue with my kids in danger and myself in danger, that's not okay. And I think that's important for a girl to say. And then I think it's also amazing that when I started to change charity was willing to say that even though I didn't cause this, this has greatly affected me. And I think that is also a level of denial that's being broken. I think both people can have denial. Yeah. And actually, if you look at it, it's crazy how similar the healing process mm-hmm. mirrors each other, even from the addict and the betrayed. Totally. And, uh, and that was a big deal that charity, I, I see, I, unfortunately, I don't see a ton of women admitting this is affecting me. And they're in denial and charity was willing to say, this is affecting me and 
Hence began the process of both of us going, okay, we are both hurting. We are both suffering in different ways. Uh, some of this is caused by me saying it's caused by me. Charity saying it's not caused by me, but it is affecting me. And I think that gave us the ability to start going down a restoration healing process yeah. and being open to the fact that we are both broken and we both need help. I agree. It's yeah. it's rare. I think because women or whichever spouses that betrayed, it's like, yeah, this is affecting me and it'll all be fine once you're, once you change instead of saying, yeah, this is affecting me. And so let me dig in because we all have intimacy, brokenness, even if we haven't realized it until somebody else's addiction or sin stirs it up at us. Yeah. For us guys are, you know, like, like Brino was saying, the one, whoever was the one who, who betrayed or has the addiction or whatever it is. Um, it's almost easier in the sense of like recognizing I am pretty screwed up, you know, cause well, it's pretty obvious, but for the, the other spouse who maybe that's not the case for them, it, it might be almost harder to realize that they're broken too. They're coming into the marriage broken too. And so I, I think that when, when you do see a spouse, um, it's the same case, same as, in our marriage, in our story, is that Brianna came to a place where she's like, I'm broken before you too, Lord, and I need you to heal me. And I think when both couples are, are doing that and they both see that, that's where like intimacy can can be grown to greater levels. Um, because if one spouse is trying to grow in the Lord and realizing that they need him, but the other is kind of like, well, this is kind of your mess and you need to fix it. Um then I feel like there's there's just a limit to the growth that can happen in the intimacy. Totally. So true. Yeah, I, I definitely, I wish it wasn't the case for me, but um, ex- I started seeing external consequences for keeping my internal pain inside. And, um, and I wish that wasn't the case. Um, I wish I had realized that there was internal consequences for what was going on. I just don't think I wanted to accept that what was happening was actually affecting me and had really hurt me because uh, it's just not talked about again. And, um, and I wish I would have realized that I was, it was really hurting and it was really damaging. And I think that's why when Clint and I talk with people, you know, just when the guy brings home chips and let's say he's getting better and he has more sobriety and the guys are confused, like, Hey, I'm bringing home these chips and I'm just not understanding why she's not happy, why we can't just move forward. And because it's, sobriety isn't going to fix it. You know, like it, yes. Is it awesome? Is it amazing? Should you be striving for that? Of course. Like that is, that is exactly what a woman does really want, but there's also so many other things because she has been deeply impacted by the trauma and the betrayal of infidelity and of secrets and of lies and deception that have happened over a compound effect. So, um, getting a three month chip is, is good, but for the wife to feel, you know, validated and wanting to rebuild intimacy and trust, it's going to take longer than that. And there's got to be, you know, safety that gets rebuilt. And it really does take both parties to admit that they're both hurt and they're both broken from the situation to both get individual help. Like it's not just going to get better when he gets better, you know? And, and for me, it really took a lot of individual healing, a lot of therapy and, and different programs and 
lots of podcasts and books and, and really, I mean, I, I, I think everybody kind of has a God moment in my opinion, um, where they have this experience with the Lord, um, that is just really brings you to your knees and, um, you really hear from him. And I had that experience on a mountaintop and, uh, in my car and I was worshiping and I was crying. And I just remember God saying like, I have never betrayed you. Cause I was just asking like, why, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, I've done nothing in the marriage, you know, obviously I brought my own sin, but I'm nothing to the, the point of infidelity. You know, I've tried, you know, to be just like a great, you know, respectful, submissive wife, not perfect. It wasn't saying I was perfect, but at the same time didn't bring infidelity in. And so for me, I'm like, why God, like, why is this happening to me? And, um, I just remember him saying like charity, like I have never betrayed you. I love you. I have never left you and I'm not going to leave you. I will always be here. And, um, I love you lean into me. Like, I'm going to get you through this. You're going to come out stronger. And that was my God moment where I was like, okay, like, God is my number one. And if he's never left me, he's never betrayed me. Even though my parents were divorced, I have the the childhood trauma mixed with high school stuff, mixed with college stuff, mixed with marriage. Like, yes, all those people are sinners and they are human, but God has never left me. And he's always been here with me through all of it. And if anything, he knows what it feels like to be betrayed because when he was down here on earth, so many people betrayed him. And it was just me learning about what that was like so that I could look at God and be like, okay, you know what I'm feeling. You came down to earth in flesh form and like you have felt things that I am feeling right now. So I know that now I can talk to him in a different way and we can connect in a different way. And I started leaning into him and and reading his truth and his promises and and uh, he really got me grounded. I mean, there's so much, so much into that, but he really helped me um, just find purpose out of the deep pain that I was in. Wow, that's that's great. That is great. Um, so encouraging. That is encouraging. I'm almost feeling like speechless in a sense of like, I guess in awe of like what the Lord can do when we do lean into Him, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. His His faithfulness to both individuals, you know, his faithfulness to Clinton when he's feeling or when he's going through recovery and his faithfulness to you, Charity, and um, basically just coming in. And like you mentioned in the very beginning, like your true husband, like Mm -hmm. you're one who, um, and I think, I think it's important for both of us to connect with the Lord at that level for us to experience wholeness. Um, I think this has been great. Yeah. Do we want to ask, okay, finish the question about what worked? Yeah. Because Clinton didn't share, right? uh, Did you not share? I feel like... You were sharing what worked for charity to say it, you know, I don't need to endure this. But then I also am like, I'm with you if you're willing to work on this. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I got to do a little plug here and I'm, it's a, unashamed plug, right? Because Charity and I really had to figure out what's working for us. And then we were all over the place. And that's yeah. why she mentions podcasts and books and all this kind of stuff. And so what we think really works as far as restoration in a couple, I think for, well, real quick, right? What I had to do was I had to plug into a 12-step program. I had to do all of it, really find a therapist, find a sponsor that really worked with me. And I had to uh, I had to do a lot of work there. And not everyone has to do the same amount of work, right? Everyone's program and process is not going to be the same for sure. But what I, what I found, what we have discovered, what, what we needed was we needed another couple to walk us through yeah. that. 
And so that's really spurred us on to create workshops and do this podcast and to, um, we're, we're doing coaching now, one-on-one coaching with other couples and kind of walking them through this. And we are so excited because we think that is going to make a huge difference in somebody's restoration process is having another couple say, I've been there and we want to walk with you on this journey. And we are excited about that. And we are going to start doing more and more. We're co-authoring our first book right now, which is exciting. And we have some workbooks we're working on. And so we just feel like we are producing more and more materials so that we can be Mm -hmm. a uh, resource for couples that want to rebuild that intimacy. Not only get sober um, and free from their own addictions and and heal betrayal, but heal relationally heal the intimacy component uh, is going to be a different kind of work than even just going and getting an addiction out Mm -hmm. of your life. It's just different work. Um, And so we are really excited to talk more about that and, and uh, to produce more things for sure in the, in the near future. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more about that information? Yeah. Your workshop and and anything else you guys have. Yeah. Um, they can go to restored and then the number two more.com. So that's our website. And uh, we have videos on there. We have resources on there. Our podcast is on there. You can also subscribe to our podcast. It's called restored with the number two more, um, on Apple, Spotify, Pandora. It's on all the social media platforms. Uh, we have a Facebook you can follow, Instagram. We do weekly vlogs just talking about a specific topic that we feel is dear to our heart. And we just share from our perspective. And um, our coaching is on our website. Workshops you can sign up on our website. Speaking engagements on our website. So you can and find all that podcast, on there. And podcast, just for listeners, has a wealth of wisdom and information. Some of the guests you guys have on are just like, just really well-respected even within the mm-hmm. field of... Um, sexual addiction and stuff. So I highly encourage you guys to go listen. Yeah, I agree. I have like multiple pages of notes from listening to their podcast Mm -hmm. over the last few weeks and just the people they've been bringing on and the stories and different things. um, We highly recommend you guys going on. We are blessed to, to be doing this ministry with you guys, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think, I think what you guys are doing um, is awesome. I think that you guys are a blessing to so many couples and I'm just excited to see what the Lord has to do or what he's going to do um, in your guys's ministry. Thank you. Guys. I'll say we're so grateful to be on intimacy as a verb yes. with you guys, Michael and Brianna, and we have loved our time with you guys. Yes. We can, it's very evident the work that God is doing, not only in your relationship, but through your relationship. I mean, you are a fantastic example of using your brokenness for a greater purpose. Yes. And we are privileged to mm-hmm. run in life with you guys and run in this direction and help people in this area alongside. I wish you we guys had like well. two more hours because I feel like there's so many things that I would like to talk more about. But Okay, I think that seals it. Um you guys we're gonna have to do another podcast episode sometime <laughs> in the future. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We can do like a part three, part four, because we would love to talk about even just like, you know, then after discovery, like how do you move forward together? What that Mm -hmm. looks like. It's a roller coaster of emotions, you know, and we're super passionate about, you know, what that looks like and how we came together um, on that roller coaster. Especially women. I don't know. Maybe it's just because that's what I am. Um, Have so many questions about. Like, okay, I want to move on, but how do I move on? How do we build, rebuild trust? Yeah. How do, like, 
especially in that first, you know, the first months and weeks and all that of after discovery and the devastation, it's like having like, even just having trouble seeing a vision for it ever feeling free again. Mm -hmm. Seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. I remember asking myself the question of just like, what's my role? You know, am I his accountability partner now? How much information do I need to know? You know, what does this look like? How do we move forward? What does sex look like again? Do we have sex? How many months? You know, just like those little questions that we just felt so lost in. So we are super passionate about talking about all of that. And also then how do you have a marriage that doesn't just survive after infidelity, but thrives? Absolutely. And we found that we enjoy our marriage a billion times more on this side of infidelity and um, healing than we ever even thought was possible before exposure. Well, I hope we get a chance to talk about some of that stuff at another another time. (laughs) Um, Until then, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys. You guys rock. Well, we've just spent two episodes with Clinton and Charity from the Restored to More podcast and we thought it was great. We just want to thank them for being vulnerable and sharing their story with us. Don't hesitate to reach out if you are looking for more resources or for help in this area. We hope that these episodes are a good resource for you and your spouse if you're married to have conversation about and further grow and deepen your intimacy. And then, as always, guys, remember, intimacy is a verb, so get to it. Mm